Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Yeah, we're continuing the series on Advent, and this week, the proclamation and joy about the birth of Jesus Christ, and actually came across a reading that's been um, used in the church worldwide for nearly 500 years, and in uh, more traditional churches, liturgical churches, they would read this uh, normally on Christmas Eve, and I thought, well, let's let's join with the church, and they still do in many nations, so all over the world, and for centuries, this has been read as a declaration of the coming of Christ, and it's it's written in an almost formal way, and I thought for something different, we would read this, or I'd read this to you, uh, again, originally from 1584, when ages beyond number had run their course from the creation of the world, when God in the beginning created heaven and earth and formed man in his own likeness, when century upon century had passed since the Almighty set his bow in the clouds after the great flood as a sign of covenant and peace, in the 21st century since Abraham, kind of interesting, huh? And our father in faith came out of Ur of the Chaldees in the 13th century since the people of Israel were led by Moses in the exodus from Egypt. Around the thousandth year since David was anointed king in the 65th week of the prophecy of Daniel, depending on your interpretation, in the 42nd year of the reign of Caesar Octavian, Octavian Augustus, Jesus Christ, Eternal God and Son of the Eternal Father, desiring to consecrate the world by His most loving presence, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And when nine months had passed since His conception, was born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem of Judah, and was made man, the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to the flesh. So it kind of gives you a sense of the historical significance of the coming of Christ. And God prepared this from the foundations of the world. That uh, says in the Bible that uh, the lamb was slain from the foundations of the world. And that means that even before creation, the plan of God was set in place, that Christ would come as a means of redemption for all mankind. And we celebrate that uh, as we uh, celebrate Christmas. Jesus came to the world as the ultimate expression of the love of the Father. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. That's what we're celebrating. Uh, so that whoever believes in him should not perish. And so Christmas is a reminder that this is, uh, this is our, our opportunity to find hope and joy. I love that Christmas is celebrated almost worldwide, even in non-Christian nations. When I visit Japan, uh, often uh, I would go this time of year, actually late November, and they would actually, you know, they kind of mimic many of the economic trends of America, and so they they celebrate Christmas. In Japan, everyone for Christmas has Kentucky Fried Chicken. Kentucky Fried Chicken figured out a way to market Christmas. Seriously, they stand up in, line, in lines and order that. Isn't that weird? 
So most Japanese, of course, have no idea of the real meaning of Christmas. But you go into the stores, and you, you know what you hear on the radio? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. And most Japanese have studied uh, English. I was required in, in school. And so the gospel is being preached in the, even in these other nations. I've talked to people that have been in other countries like China, and the same thing. And so Christmas is an opportunity to celebrate the gospel, the message of Jesus. And we're going to look at three excerpts from the story of Christ's birth in the scripture and that show us a pattern that first, it's about a personal encounter. Christ comes, we need as individuals to encounter them. Through each of these stories, we see people encountering Christ. And then a, a, a response to that, or the second thing, is that of the proclamation of Jesus to others. And they go hand in hand. Experiencing Christ leads to proclaiming Christ. So a lot of scripture I'm going to read through, all from uh, the gospel story of the nativity in the uh, gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 1 and 2. I think we can jump into 2 a little bit, but we'll start out here. In, in the sixth month, the angel of Gabriel was sent by God to a city of, uh, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered, What the heck is this guy talking about? Then the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Rejoice is the very first word the angel says to Mary. The very first word of the pronouncement or the announcement of Christ's coming is rejoice. It can be translated, be happy, cheers, be full of joy. Right? This is, this is uh, the proper response to hearing the news of Christ's arrival. Highly favored, it's actually the word favor, this word is used twice in that. Uh, Later it says, the angel says, you found favor uh, with God. It's actually a form of the word grace, the Greek word charis, which is most often translated grace. And so the favor that, that Mary found was the grace that Christ brings. The same favor that Mary found is the grace that Christ brings to each and every one of us. Mary, think of it, an unwed teen. You know, she was probably, we don't know for certain, but it's likely she was in her mid-teens. That's when a lot of uh, women in that day would get married. And uh, the life expectancy, if I remember correctly, was only uh, 45. If someone attained my age, they would be considered really old. Well, I guess some things don't change. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so here, here she is, a young woman with, uh, 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 and she's pregnant, and she's engaged, and she's a betrothed, but she's not married yet, in a tiny little village, 
in a, in a small country that was occupied by the vast Roman Empire. Basically, she was a nobody from nowhere. All right? And yet this was a very, very personal and powerful. The angel chose her. God chose her, sent his angel to announce to Mary that she'd found favor. She'd found grace. And it was a personal experience for Mary, wasn't it? Christ was birthed in her and by her. But it wasn't just for Mary, right? It's for the whole world. And so this very, very personal, pregnancy is pretty personal, isn't it? It's about as personal as you can get. But it wasn't just for Mary. It was for the whole world. And there's, this, there's a lesson here, saints. Don't miss it. Like Mary, we must receive Christ personally, recognizing that Christ is birthed in us through faith by grace. The same grace that Mary found that we find that births Christ in us. Right? And it's meant to be a blessing to us, certainly, but also to those around us and to the world. Christ in you, the hope of glory, it says in Colossians 1.27. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is in you and has the power to transform you as significantly and actually more significantly than just a natural pregnancy? that Mary experienced? How pregnant are you with Christ? My daughter, Emily, is pregnant. And she came to visit, and she's due in just a few weeks. And you know what? It shows. (laughs) And the whole time she was with us, she constantly kept talking about how Happy she'll be when the baby's born because she'll actually be able to move. (laughs) You know, and sleep. She can't sleep for more than short periods of time because the baby wakes her up. And it affects her life. It affects everything about her. And when she walks into a room, everybody knows she's pregnant. How pregnant are you with Christ? Does it show? Are you showing yet? Do you get it? Listen, the natural gives us understanding of the supernatural. God did it this way on purpose. He didn't have to. This is meant to teach us a lesson. That God is meant to live in us and that we are to become vibrant. You know, uh, pregnant women do glow. It changes their, uh, their, their complexion and, and so much about them. And we need to be transformed as well in an even more significant way. All right, Luke chapter 2, verse 4 through 18. Joseph, this is the second story. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was a house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. By the way, they went because there was a government mandate. 
Can you believe it? This pagan government mandated everyone to go to the city of their ancestors to be registered. And even though she was nine months pregnant, she had to go. But that fulfilled a prophecy, right? She was reg- to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in a swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. All the hotels were booked. They had to find a manger. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Wow. Just like the angel said to Mary, rejoice, be joyful, which will be to all people. Why? For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill toward men. And so there was a, just this chorus of angels singing this and the shepherds out on the field were experiencing this majestic, heavenly, uh, supernatural uh, 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 worship service. It says, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And now when they had seen them, uh, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. I was thinking this morning that the shepherds were working men, the working class uh, guys. And so they were probably in their uh, 20s, mid-20s. This was their job, possibly 30 years old. And Jesus didn't start his ministry until he was 30. And so some of these guys probably didn't make it till Jesus revealed himself as a rabbi. But they may have. They may have been alive and heard Jesus' teaching. And, you know, no doubt throughout their life they would tell this story. And their grandkids probably told them, oh, Grandpa, quit telling us that story. But possibly one or two of them saw Jesus and maybe even saw him on the cross and maybe even saw him resurrected. Uh, Wow, wouldn't that be a story? The angels proclaimed Jesus' birth to shepherds. Oh, by the way, that would have made them 60 years old. That's really old. (laughs) no it isn't (laughs) yes it is all right (laughs) they proclaimed Jesus' birth to the shepherds as good tidings of great joy to all people why shepherds these guys weren't the influencers of their day all right they were lowly people it was they were simple hard-working men out on a job site But God chose them 
to proclaim the birth of the Savior to the world. And the shepherds' response were twofold, and it's, again, the lesson that we, we saw earlier. <clears throat> they went to see this thing come to pass. They needed to encounter it personally. What if they hadn't gone? You know, this wasn't entertainment. To see this miracle in the field and angels, they didn't, they didn't go, wow, that was interesting. You know, cook another hot dog. Probably shish kebab. Lamb chops. No, they said, let's go. This is amazing. They did something in response because they wanted to see it for themselves. And then they made widely known the sayings which was told to them concerning this child. And so all who heard it were marveled at the things which the shepherds told them. So they told them, they proclaimed it. They experienced it, and then they proclaimed it. The two things that we see. Uh, the shepherds had to encounter the Christ, uh, Christ coming personally. Uh, and we do too when we accept him as Savior. Right? You can hear about Jesus. You can hear the message of who he is and why he came. But you need to accept it personally. You need to take this personal. That Jesus Christ came for you. And he isn't just the Lord, he's your Lord. And you demonstrate it by acting on it. And you also, we also need to follow the example of telling others and making it widely known. How well are you doing that? You know, I love, again, the illustration of, of a new birth. You want to announce it. You want to tell people. Why? Because it's a great news. And this is the greatest news that ever has been. And so we're called to follow the example of the shepherds to make it widely known. And I challenge you this season, and Christmas is a great opportunity because that's what it's about. This is what we're celebrating. And so you can, you can tell, but you can tell it year-round. Tell people about Jesus. That's our purpose. Communicate the message. And the final excerpt from the story <clears throat> is found in... Uh, Chapter 2, verse 25 through 38 says, And behold, this is a bit later in the story, a little bit later. It says, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Why, don't you wish you'd you'd know a little bit about that story. This was Old Testament guy. He's a priest, but the Holy Spirit was on him. And the Holy Spirit told him. He had a personal rhema word that's not recorded in Scripture. But it's recognized in Scripture as being valid. Think about that for a minute. Holy Spirit talks. And told him something significant that he would see before he died. We don't know when he heard that. Maybe he was only 20 years old when he heard that. We don't know how long he'd been waiting, but he'd been waiting. So he came by this spirit into the temple. 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, had to make a sacrifice because it was a firstborn child. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Somehow Simeon knew that this infant child was Christ the Lord. And he thanked God. It says, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. How did this priest know that this was the purpose of this infant, this child, this Messiah? And some of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the experts of the law missed. But this man, because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he knew the message of the Bible. He understood it. And he was looking for it. He was expected. It says, and Joseph and his mother marveled. They're like, whoa, what's going on? Why is this priest getting so excited at those things which were spoken of him? And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. And the thoughts of many hearts may be refi- that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now there was one Anna. Here is another individual, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age. This is really old. She was probably. Well, I think she was, actually tells us she had lived <clears throat> with a husband seven years from her virginity, and this wit- woman was a widow of about eighty-four years. And so she was at least 84 years old, depending on how you interpret that, uh, who did not depart from the temple since the time she was uh, widowed, she became uh, uh, just committed to the things of the Lord and stayed at the temple, temple and she was anointed with the Holy Spirit. She was known as a prophet, uh, but served God with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So here we have a whole different uh, uh, people, uh, a group, uh, uh, you know, Mary, a young teen, uh, the shepherds, uh, working uh, age, uh, guys out in the field. And here we have two older people, Simeon and Anna. And, and Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple to dedicate him to the Lord. And to their surprise, this priest declared this amazing statement over their infant child, that he would be a light of revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to the people of Israel, that he was going to change the whole world. And, and uh, the Gentiles and Israel, the nation of Israel, represents a massive racial division that was uh, very, very significant to the Israelite people and actually even to the Romans and everyone that lived in that region was uh, there was division based on race. But in Christ, all races are joined into one people. Talks about in the book of uh, Ephesians and in Romans and in the whole New Testament that Jesus came to, to break down that wall of division that separates men because of race and because of economic differences and, and, and gender differences, that we are one in Christ. And this prophet, she saw it. 
This priest prophesied over him. And then Anna, this old woman, gives us a powerful lesson. She first responded personally. She thanked God for sending Jesus. But then it says she spoke of him to all who lived in Jerusalem that were looking for the Christ. Okay? This is important because Jerusalem was between 600,000 and a million people. Okay? So that would be the entire metro area of Grand Rapids. Not Grand Rapids City because that's only, uh, uh, I forget what it is, about 250,000, 300,000. But if you take Wyoming and like the whole... Uh, what county is that? Kent County. It's about a million people. Can you imagine in the mid-80s? The Bible says she declared it to everybody that lived in Jerusalem. And one commentary said the picture is she was like going door to door, street through street, saying, declaring that the Christ had come. And some of those people knew, oh, that's Anna. She's the prophet. Wow, I wonder what's going on. And some of them said, that crazy woman, and dismissed her. What are you going to say when you hear that Christ has come? How are you going to respond? We see that her response was that she experienced it personally and then proclaimed it publicly. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do, all right? And I'm asking you, who are you in this story? Are you that young teen? Mary and Joseph were both young. They're just figuring out life. They didn't understand what was happening. They were just getting started. Maybe that's where you are. When Christ came, that's when Christ showed up in my life. I was 19 years old. And and really, in an unexpected way, totally transformed me. <clears throat> or maybe you're, you're the working uh, person, you know, just slugging it out, trying to make ends meet, trying to provide for yourself and your family, day in and day out. You know what? The angels appeared to the shepherd while they were at work. And in fact, if you read through Scripture, most often God shows up when people are working. So, yeah, sure, spend time in the closet seeking God. Come to church to experience God. But let me tell you, when you're out doing your job, whether it's delivering pizzas or building houses or selling houses or, you know, whatever you do, keep your eyes open. That's where God wants to meet you. And you know what? That's where you have the opportunity to interact with people that don't know Jesus. And you need to take your personal experience with Christ into the workplace so that you can publicly proclaim him at the workplace to those around you. Amen? Somebody say amen. Amen. So maybe you're older. Like Simeon and Anna at the twilight of your life. All right? Regardless of the stage of your life, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't give you an out. You can't say, oh, it's a younger man's job, right? You have to go, what can I do? 
what can I do in maybe the short years I have left to best experience Christ personally? Because you know what? No matter how old you are, you have to experience him personally every day. You have to rekindle the fire of the presence of Christ in you every day or else it'll grow cold and you'll grow cold and it'll go out. And you also have to work hard to find ways to communicate Jesus regardless of your age, regardless of your stage of life. You need to receive Jesus. You need to encounter the grace that, uh, that Mary encountered that birthed Christ in her, that transformed her, and the redemption and the joy that Jesus brings. Like all of these biblical characters, find ways to embrace our calling to proclaim Jesus, the newborn uh, Lord, 2,000 years ago, is now the reigning King of Kings, Prince of Peace, and that our hope is in Him. And we celebrate his coming uh, in the incarnation, but we also celebrate and look forward to his return when he comes to establish his kingdom on earth and his reign for all eternity and deal with every form of injustice and evil and bring uh, justice to every man, woman, and child that has ever lived. How that's going to happen, I don't know. Lots of people write books about it but I know it's going to happen. And you're going to see it, and I'm going to see it. And and your action now, whether you accept Jesus Christ as Lord, if you bow your knee to him and you bow your heart and accept his lordship in your life now and live it, will determine what you receive from him when he returns. I pray and I hope that he comes and you receive him with joy because he's your Lord returning.